Welcome back to episode 38 of the FPL Draft Hub podcast for the all-important pre-season draft rankings. Welcome to the FPL Draft Hub podcast, the podcast dedicated to the official FPL Draft game. My name is Mitch and I'm your host. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. And for those who are new to the pod, a very warm welcome. This episode will obviously be focusing on drafting and many of you will have your draft days looming in the calendars. But as we move into the season, the pod will be looking at waiver options, hidden gems and some trade chat, as well as dubious analysis of the football itself and plenty of rants allowing me to vent about my beloved Spurs. And I expect a number of those this season. In this episode, I'm here to give you what everyone wants at this time of year, draft rankings and analysis of how I see some of the teams performing moving into the new season. Returning listeners will hopefully be familiar with fpldrafthub.com, which I have virtually nothing to do with and is all the hard graft of my good friend Taron. And for those who have yet to check it out, I urge you to do so. It is completely free to sign up and use and is an amazing companion tool to help you on draft day and throughout the season. It doesn't sit there and manage a team for you, unfortunately, but will show you everything you need to make your decisions and get those small edges over your league competition. And before you draft, you can see how other managers around the world are ranking players in similarly sized leagues with an average of all the drafts combined into one easy to read table. You could use this as your draft ranking if you find yourself massively underprepared or use it as a useful starting point from which you can adjust players up and down as you see fit. On draft day, you can see how teams in your league are shaping up with a live table view, and you can see how your league tables and matchups are going with live points during the game weeks themselves. The global dashboard will show you who the most wavered in and out players are each week, and will also show you the players the best performing managers seem to be drawn to. Your own personal dashboard will give you loads of breakdowns of how your team is performing, and could help steer you towards a crucial waiver pickup mid-season. As I said, all of this is completely free, And Taryn has worked incredibly hard over the summer to get the site looking better than ever. And the only way to really show your support is to go over to fpldrafthub.com and sign up. Now, without any further ado, let's get into the main stuff. So with regards to drafting itself, I'm obviously aware that there will be uh, a lot of novices listening to this podcast. And... I think my best uh, advice for anyone who's completely new to draft would be to steer you back towards a couple of podcasts that we put out last year, specifically episodes 19 and 20. Episode 19 goes through all the basics and the logistics of drafting, while episode 20 goes through some more specific tactics for actually drafting well on the day. Now, without going over everything that I've covered in those pods again, my main advice for beginners is to do some prep and get a list of players in the order that you want them. This doesn't have to cover your entire team, but as long as you know who you want in the first few rounds without panicking when it's your turn, you should end up with a half-decent team at the end. Look around at others' uh, draft ranks, check out how other managers are drafting, as I said earlier, at fpldrafthub.com, and then use your own knowledge to adjust them as you see fit. Obviously, nobody has a crystal ball as to how the season will pan out, And the amount of risk managers are willing to take means there are no right or wrong picks when faced with tough choices. So for my draft ranks, the way I'm going to do this is to go through each position, starting with the strikers and finishing up with the keepers, ranking them in order. And then at the end, I'll go through my top 24 players, which would be the opening three rounds for a standard eight team draft league. 
If you want to see the list in front of you as I'm going through the pod, uh, just head to fbldrafthub.com uh, or click the link in the episode description notes and that should take you to the article that's got the full list laid out for you. Obviously, I will not be commenting on every single player's position in my ranks or will be here until the start of next season. So if you've got any particular questions on uh, why I've ranked someone the way I have that wasn't necessarily covered in this pod, just drop me a message and I'll try to come up with some half-assed answer for you. So let's get into the strikers. Harry Kane is head and shoulders the number one striker Uh, on the board. Now, Global Dashboard seems to support this with Kane drafted first overall in the vast majority of leagues as it stands. His value could rise even higher if his move to Manchester City gets done, which would see him surrounded by the likes of Sterling, Foden, Mahrez, Gundogan, uh, De Bruyne and possibly Jack Grealish too, which isn't bad at all. I've got him second in the overall ranking, but we'll come back to that later. Having seen some other managers' rankings, there are a number of different opinions out there in terms of how to rank the next group of strikers. But for me, uh, Aubameyang is is still clear number two. Yes, he had a poor season last year by his standards, but the consistency he showed in the previous two and a half years prior to that can't be ignored for me. And uh, he remains Arsenal's talisman. Timo Werner is my third choice, so I accept there is a fair amount of risk there but I feel a full season under Tuchel will see him scoring enough to warrant a high draft spot. I still expect him to miss a few sitters, but you don't lose any points in FBL for missing open goals, so who cares? Next is uh, the ever-present Jamie Vardy, who I think still has a a pretty decent Premier League season in him, despite not getting any younger. And then uh, the next pack of strikers is where I've seen really wildly different valuations. So Cavani, uh, Calvert-Lewin, Watkins, Firmino and Bamford make up the next bunch and I have them in the order that I just listed them there. Many will have Bamford higher than that and and many will have Firmino lower but over six seasons um, Firmino has averaged 162 points a season and you will struggle to find many other players out there with that level of consistency. I rate Watkins as one of the better striking talents among that group but it's likely he's going to be without uh, Graylish supporting him, whereas Cavani and Calvert-Lewin are surrounded by an ever-growing all-star supporting cast. Richarlison completes my top 10. Uh, his numbers actually surprised me when I was doing the research, and he's averaging around 140 points uh, a season, plays a lot of minutes, uh, with that looking likely to continue into this season. After Richarlison, and possibly higher than most, I've currently got uh, Gabriel Jesus, Purely on the chance he has a season as a first-choice City striker, but maybe I'm putting him here in the hope Harry Kane doesn't leave. Feel free to ignore me, and if by the time you're drafting Harry Kane has moved to Manchester City, then uh, Gabriel Jesus would fall, well, right down the ranks for me. Next are the group of very much number two strikers, Danny Ings, Wood, Martial, Jimenez, Mope, Antonio and Wilson. It's hard to see Ings ever topping the impressive 22-goal haul he got in the 1920 season, while the likes of Martial, Jimenez and Wilson fall for me due to their their injury issues. Jimenez is somebody that many will find hard to value as he's coming back from that nasty head injury that ruled him out for most of last season. Uh, My gut is that we won't see him reach the heights of the first two seasons, 
but the managers who take the gamble on him could be rewarded by having a third-choice striker who outscores the first two that they drafted. Next, I've got Lacazette, who's linked with a move away, so obviously keep an eye on that situation. Uh, Ian Acho, who I can't see replicating his uh, end-of-season form, but if you think differently, then he'll obviously be a lot higher for you. Then got returning hero Timu Puki, uh, Ivan Tony, Che Adams and Rodrigo to complete the list. Now, Tony is the name on everyone's lips pre-season after a massive championship season last year. Fair enough if you like what you see, but for me, Puki edges it having scored 11 goals in his previous Premier League season. You know, he's proven that he can do it at that level. Plus, I've also got some previous draft loyalty as uh, I had him in my team that year. On to the midfielders, and Salah is the obvious one at the top, and for me, is the one I'd be taking first overall if I was first on the clock in the draft, even above Harry Kane. Harry Kane is averaging uh, 200 points a season over the last seven years. Salah, on the other hand, is averaging 257 points a season over the last four since he's been a more or less ever-present fixture in the Liverpool attack. Now, considering your first few draft picks are likely to sit in your team all season long, a potential 50-point difference is easily enough to be the difference between winning and losing your draft league. So for me, he's number one overall. Next is Bruno Fernandes, who has the potential to reach the FPL numbers that Salah has, but we've got less data available. And he's playing in a Man United team with a few personnel question marks, which, whilst they do have the potential to, to boost his numbers, do also have the potential to negatively impact his FPL output. De Bruyne is third and hard to justify going above the other two guys for me, given his injury record. But a full season from him, though, and you're going to be doing very well. Next is Son, Sterling and Mane. You could argue these in any order, but they're clearly the next three for me. Sterling scoring 154 FBL points in a bad season ain't bad for me. Mane is the third out of the three currently for me, as I'm not sure how his points will be impacted by the introduction of Johto into the Liverpool attacking mix. We already saw his numbers drop last season and he may be at a new baseline now. The introduction of Graylish could also spell less minutes for Sterling in an already crowded Manchester City team, but the Pep roulette's never really put me off on draft day. Speaking of the devil, Jack Grealish is my seventh midfielder, and this is very much on the assumption he makes that move up to Manchester City. Jadon Sancho is in next, and I have seen some ranks put him higher, which again, you can easily make a case for. And with no Rashford for a while, he should get minutes straight away, and his ceiling for FPL points over the season is very high. My next mids in order are Mares, Havertz, uh, Diogo Jota, Foden and Mount, with my prediction being that all five of those will score more FPL points this season than they did last year. Completing my top 20 mids are Harvey Barnes, Gundogan, Zaha, Pulisic, Pepe, Rafinha and Madison. I won't go through the full 40 for the sake of time. Some of the players unlucky to miss out on a top 20 spot were Saka, Trossard, Tielemans, Pogba and Greenwood. Uh, head over to FPL Draft Hub to see the complete list. On to the defenders then. Um, Alexander-Arnold and Robertson I think are still the obvious top two defenders and good enough to go late second round, early third round in an eight-team draft league. This will be a point of contention as some will have uh, Trent much higher, but I don't see Liverpool being as defensively strong this season, especially when their stability is relying on Van Dijk returning from that big uh, ACL injury he got last year. The next defender for me 
and somebody who has uh, a decent chance of, of overthrowing Trent and Robbo from the top of the FPL defender table is Ben Chilwell for Chelsea, who has, in my opinion, a better ceiling for clean sheets over the season than the Liverpool boys and plenty of attacking potential himself too. Next is Cancelo. Sure, he won't play every minute, but his points per minute was better than Diaz last year. And having watched a fair amount of him due to him being in my draft team last season, he was unlucky not to get more attacking returns. And I think will 100% uh, double the six goal involvements he got last season uh, this year. Next is Diaz and Van Dijk, who should play most games. As I mentioned, I'm slightly cold on Van Dijk this year as he's coming back from a massive injury and would not want to overreach for him on draft day. Around one in five players never reach the same level again post-ACL injury, um, and nearly a third will go on to have a further ACL injury within uh, two or three years. Just look at um, Johnny Castro at Wolves as a, as a recent example. Still a decent pickup, but with these defenders onwards, I wouldn't be looking at getting them before the fifth round, and I'll talk a little bit more about this at the end. Next, I've got Reese James, Luke Shaw and Luca Dean to complete the sort of top tier defenders for me. Uh, and I'd take them in that order. In the next group, I've got John Stones, Juan Pesaka, Harry Maguire, Kyle Walker, Thiago Silva, Azpilicueta. And I've currently got Rudiger in that group, but I've been monitoring the rumours of him leaving Chelsea before I picked him up. Completing my top 20 defenders are Aaron Cresswell. Uh, Leicester's Pereira, Kufau and Joe Gomez. So finally, we've got the goalkeepers. For me, there are three highly desirable keepers. Um, a decent bunch after that and then the rest follow. The best three for me are Edison, Mendy and Allison. They have the highest clean sheet potential and I think Chelsea and City will lead the way in clean sheets this year with Allison not far behind. The way our main draft fell this year meant I missed out on my main defender target. So I reached for Edison in round six in place of a defender as I can see him getting close to 170 points this season which to put into context is a score no defender reached last year. Um, Robbo um, currently the highest with 161 obviously as Dallas is now reclassified as a midfielder. The next group are Larice, Pope, Leno, Melier and Martinez. Very little to choose between them for me and then the usual suspects in Fabianski, Schmeichel, Pickford, and Sanchez come next, followed by New Wolves goalkeeper Saar, uh, then McCarthy and Darlow. Currently, I have the United keepers in 13th position, but it depends how you're able to play your particular draft. If you could tell me for sure right now which one of them was first choice for United, I'd probably have them fourth in my list, right behind my top three. The play here, and it was done in my league, uh, is to draft both of them, handcuffing the position and guaranteeing you the, the position regardless of who plays. Now, in much larger leagues of sort of 12 or more teams, you probably can't bank on getting both of them. But the smaller your draft league is, the easier it should be for you to get them both. So if we look at the opening three rounds for an eight-team draft league, that's 24 picks. I'll run through the list very quickly. So just uh, as a summary, in my opening 24 picks, I've got 10 strikers, 11 midfielders and 3 defenders. So starting from the top, uh, I've got Salah, Kane, Bruno Fernandes, De Bruyne, Son, Sterling, Mane and Aubameyang making up my first round. 
I've then got Jack Grealish, Sancho, Werner, Vardy, Mares, Alexander-Arnold, Havertz, Jota completing my second round. And then in the third round, I've got Cavani, Robertson, Calvert-Lewin, Watkins, Firmino, Bamford, Richarlison, and just sneaking in, Ben Chilwell. So to round off the draft chat, I just wanted to give some general thoughts on how I see this season's draft landscape panning out. Uh, First point being that the list of forwards is largely unchanged from last year. And in leagues with eight or more teams, the priority should be to fill out your three striker spots as quickly as you can. Obviously, every draft is unique and the choices faced at each turn will differ. But for me, by the end of round six, you should really have all three strikers um, and then two mids and probably a defender making up your first six picks. Ranking the positions individually will also allow you to react to the draft in real time rather than being completely led by a full predetermined list. The midfielder landscape feels slightly lacking. Um, I'm saying it feels lacking because on paper there are plenty of decent options there. The trouble is predicting who will actually play. Now, as I said earlier, I've never been one to really fear Pep Roulette as the City assets perform well regardless of how many minutes they share around. But this season with the possible addition of of Greylish, it feels like a big name will end up missing out unless they have a transfer exit. Chelsea have the same feel with uh, Ziyech and Pulisic, both very draftable players, seemingly competing for one spot in the starting eleven. Now, as the season progresses, it's not uncommon to make three, maybe four waivers in a given game week, usually streaming defenders and your midfielder that uh, have favourable fixtures. The later rounds of the draft should probably, therefore, reflect this. So, you know, there are a, a few teams with very favourable fixture runs early on in the season, particularly Everton, Brighton and Villa. And it's important to pick these guys up now and think about your starting eleven for game week one rather than having to waste waivers early on when you could be using them to pick up some of the new transfers coming in. On a more general point, um, we're going back to capacity crowds in the Premier League and it wouldn't surprise me if we start to see players performing more in line with pre-pandemic levels. So, you know, basically if you're only discounting or counting in a player based on an isolated season last year, just take it with a small pinch of salt. And finally, it's important to remember that injured players are still very draftable, um, particularly Marcus Rashford, likely to miss the opening 10 games. But if you can afford to carry him on the bench for that long, you're unlikely to find any Rashford calibre players in the waiver pile once the season gets going. So that's it for this episode. Hopefully there was something helpful for you in there ahead of your drafts. As I've already mentioned, head over to fbldrafthub.com to see my full list. And while you're there, sign up to explore all the new features I mentioned earlier. If you did enjoy this podcast and you're not already subscribed, please make sure you follow the pod wherever you're listening so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Also make sure to follow us on Twitter at fbldrafthubpod, which is probably the best place to get Uh, all FPL Draft Hub podcast updates and reach out if you've got a question or comment. Be really keen to hear if your rankings drastically differ from mine as it's in those debates where the real heart of draft fantasy football can be found. Best of luck for your drafts. Remember you can't win the league on draft day but you can certainly lose it and most importantly as always stay shook. (laughs) 